This is, I'm going to do some little introduction. Uh, yeah. You ready for it? <laughs> okay. All right. So I am here with a very, very special guest for me. It is my oldest boy who lives in London. Alex, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm all right, man. You? Yeah, not bad. You're bad. You're one of the few guests, I think, uh, I've had on this uh, little program of mine who's probably got a deeper voice than I do. <laughs> yeah, anyway, how's it going in London? Uh, yeah, that's right. Not much going on, really. It's no. locked up and lifted, so it's good. Yeah, okay. All right. Diet, really. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a bit more going on than that. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you actually had corona, um, yeah. and uh, it it wasn't good, was it? No, it's not great. That's for sure. It's um, it's worse than you expect. So, especially when you've got um, most of the symptoms, it's not fun. Mm. Um, but luckily, it wasn't uh, uh, of that. You know, extremely. Uh, yeah, how can I say? As in the, the the sort that affected your your breathing and lungs. So luckily that wasn't the case. You didn't have to go to hospital. So yeah, a big big sigh of relief from all of us here in Berlin when um, when you said that uh, you had recovered and uh, yeah, when you were better. Uh, but definitely, yeah. If there's anything that's going to motivate you to to wear a mask in public, I think that's probably it, right? Yeah, probably. No, well, there you go. Okay, all right. So, um, yeah, just uh, for the purposes of anybody listening who doesn't actually know you, um, do you want to tell me a bit about? <laughs> tell me, tell your dad about who you are. Um, well, as as you said in the intro, my name's Alex. Um, I'm a, I don't know, a teenager going through my GCSEs. Mm. And um, I'm quite a lover of sports, especially football. And yeah, that's about it, really. Okay. Well, there's also, I mean, movies, TV series, uh, yeah. games. Um, you've got a variety of of interests, but yeah, we'll we'll sort of jump into bit by bit. Um, first of all, school. So as you said, you're in the middle of your GCSEs. Um, and last week, I think uh, the previous year's uh, students got their results. Um, and by all accounts, the results were very good, weren't they? I mean, did you hear much about this? Mm, not really. I mean, I mean, I heard, I heard um, that most people um, were like got off lucky with results and it was like people getting their um scores bumped up or and they brought the grade boundaries lower or something because of um covid and but i didn't really i don't really look into it much i don't want to worry myself too much <laughs> that's fair enough okay um but i mean unlike in in 
at least I can say Berlin, um, where your little brother has just sort of gone back to school this week. Um, you've been basically at school more or less throughout the entire period, haven't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So you 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 haven't really had to suffer in much in the same way of uh, as a lot of other people your age have uh, in that you've been there, you've seen you know friends as it were. Yeah, you've been able to get on with your work. Do you, do you think that's a bit of an advantage to you? Um, maybe. I mean, the, when because I was there, like when other people weren't and they were isolating and stuff. And I mean, it obviously benefits you, but I don't think it's like it's not as good as when you know you're in a classroom with everyone and the teachers can focus on everyone. So it's. I mean, it's definitely a benefit, but it's not too much. Okay, so you're definitely not uh, falling into the uh, uh, the overconfidence uh, trap, as it were. So you, you know that it's you've still got a lot to do, and it's uh, you know, nothing is settled as yet. There you go. See, fatherly counsel there coming <laughs> coming your way. I don't get to do that very often either. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, and subjects-wise, uh, obviously, okay, as you said, you love sports. Um, but in addition to that, what uh, you you've told me that you really like history, right? Yes, um, it's it's interesting learning about you know the past and how we've evolved and come to where we are now and all the problems we've been through. Mm. Yeah, I think. And, yeah, go on. I, I was just gonna say, I think it's um, it's. It's very interesting to hear about things that you haven't experienced or that things that you are very lucky to not experience. Mm. I mean, we're seeing some of that in the news, aren't we? I mean, even now um, with what's going on in Afghanistan and in uh, yeah. you know, uh, other areas as well. Um, it really does make you feel how it should be a reminder of how privileged we are living in Europe, where we've grown up in uh, peace, you know, at least in Europe uh, on the whole. So uh, we, we've definitely lived a very lucky uh, generation. Those before us uh, weren't as lucky, and we'll see what happens with those that come after. But, um, yeah, now, history, you're right, uh, Alex. I think history is brilliant. It's, it's also interesting, isn't it, some of the things that you you learn with the official history. And then when we, when you're in Berlin and we have our chats and we go through these various documentaries and they have uh, you know, slightly different information, um, and, and I think you told me once that you, you spoke with your history teacher about some of these things that we, we discussed. So what, what was the response um, to some of those, uh, those questions? Um, well, as, as you'd know, we watched the um, documentary about um, what, what it's called. Um, JFK. JFK. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I spoke about that with my history teacher and he, um, he, he was, I guess, shocked in a way because he saw it in a complete different way to how he's been teaching it. Mm. And um, I mean, I would have loved him to actually implement that into our lessons, but I don't think that's what we're taught. So mm. he has to stick to the, um, the lessons and what we have to do. Yeah. I, I listened to a BBC podcast uh, last week about Bristol 
and uh, some history teachers in Bristol who basically got together and rewrote the, uh, the history book which related to the slave trade um, because the coverage that was provided for previously was extremely limited. Um, it didn't actually reveal much of the detail that was involved. It was very one-sided. Uh, have you have you learnt about the the slave trade? Have you have you touched on it? Because I'm I'm I I think I remember them saying that it doesn't actually form a part of the GCSE material, does it? So it's covered, but it's not really covered in too much detail, is it? Um, yes, it's not um part of the uh, GCSE. It's um we learn about it, I think in year eight very briefly, but. Yeah, that's something that I'm surprised about. There isn't much black history or anything in in the um, lessons, and it's it's disappointing because when we learned about it, it was quite interesting. But yeah, it's not part of the GCSE. Mm, yeah, it's a bit of a shame actually because I think um, I mean I've seen you know your 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 friends at least in in at some stages uh, whenever I've been in in London and picked you up from school or dropped you off. And you definitely have a very multicultural school, so it's a shame that um, the you know the background to that multiculturalism isn't uh, expressed more liberally in school. It would be nice if you guys could just sort of sit down and talk about it, and the teachers can teach and you know really inform everybody where you know at what point in history actually uh, different cultures came into uh, came into the UK because uh, at the moment most people think that. Um, like the first uh, Africans or black people to arrive was with the Windrush scandal, but um, uh, you know there have been you know Africans that um, basically come to the UK even in the in the Roman times. Uh, I think uh, some people have mentioned. So you know there's a lot of uh, history that uh, needs to be explained. I think. Yeah, they they leave out a lot, and I think in school we had this discussion for um I think it was it's. Black History Month or week, we had um, the discussions of like what we felt about the curriculum in school and if they've left stuff out about other cultures. And I think in they've tried to implement like yeah, obviously there's some Black history, but not much, and there isn't anything about any other cultures. I don't really think it's fair. So there's no real sort of topics discussed regarding colonialism, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, the um, the British East India Company. None of this is mentioned, I guess. Uh, no, not not at the moment. It might do in the future, but not at the moment. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a shame because it's uh, you know obviously it's a telling part of British history, and um, you know, not many uh, perspectives of that chapter are revealed uh, in, in history lessons. Okay, all right, what, what other subjects are interesting for you? Um, sociology is um, an interesting subject. It's hard to, it's like, it's hard to um, talk about specifically because there's a lot to it, there's a lot of different parts, but it's, um, it's interesting. It makes you look at society in a very different way. Do you feel that you can like empathize with uh, people in in society who are less 
how should we say who are treated not as equals so for example you know women uh, even to this day are not treated equally um, non-binary genders are you know very poorly represented uh, in many parts of society um, homosexuals are not uh, particularly well represented in society I mean do you feel that in you know 2021 this should really be different um, yeah I mean everyone should be um, equal and should be accepted for who they are I mean we're all humans at the end of the day but um yeah I mean that you see things on social media about um like people rising up and standing for certain things like obviously um gay pride and things like that and and other cultures and obviously um women's rights um i think we're getting there to where it's slightly being equal but i don't think we're quite there there's obviously the people that are against all of it so yeah yeah do you think you'd be like involved in in politics a bit when you're old or do you do you, uh, you know at the age of 15 do you consider politics just to be a waste of time no i don't i don't see it as a waste of time at all i think i don't i don't really read up on it much because i don't know i don't, I don't tend to focus on it that much at the moment but obviously it's a big part it's important for our society it decides a lot of things but at the age of i think at my age especially i don't think it's a main topic to go into mm. and and at, you know the age of uh, voting is uh, 18 would you like that to be reduced to 16 i mean would you like to be able to vote at the age of 16 i mean it doesn't it doesn't really bother me i guess it, i mean it might some people might decide to say that they should vote when they're younger but i guess 18 is that age when you've you know you've you've lived a while you've like seen enough things on social media and you've you've matured i reckon that's probably the right age you actually understand things more hmm. but I mean, at the age of 16 you could start smoking you be, you can become a parent um, and yet they don't think you're allowed to vote that's a bit uh that's a bit of a contradiction isn't it with regards to you know, responsibility decision making and so on yeah uh, see the thing is i don't i don't really agree with the idea that you should be able to smoke at the age of 16 or be a parent at that age i don't think you're independent enough to be a parent I think you're very, at that age, you're very dependent on your own parents and there's a lot of things going on at that age. I don't think anyone should be a parent at that age. That's why I think it's understandable that you're not allowed to vote until 18. Mm -hmm. Interesting, fair enough. Um, yeah, I'd have thought you'd love having that extra bit of responsibility. But no, okay. Not to worry. Um, did you read any articles on this, uh, on the IPCC climate report last week that was published on Monday? Did you, did you read about that? No, I haven't. No? Um, no, just to give you a couple of uh, highlights. Basically, they're saying that if 
between now and the end of this decade, so by 2030, um, the, uh, the temperature rise hasn't been reduced uh, to maintain or stay below 1.5 degrees increase, then we're going to be in a lot of trouble, basically. So we have to act now to stop the temperature increase going above that. Um, and any individual grade above that temperature is going to be you know, a lot worse for us. So um, whereas before people kind of had the idea that we wouldn't face climate change until you know, the 2100s, now there's a pretty good chance that you, um, when you come out of university, uh, will find yourself in a world where the climate has considerably changed. How does that make you feel? Um, I've, I've spoken about this a few times with a few mates. It comes up as a conversation every now and then. Um, it's, it's quite scary thinking about how, how bad and how dramatic of a change it, it could cause. And it's, it's very difficult to change how we are and it will be very difficult to change what we do to to help with climate change so thinking about how it could be bad in i don't know five to ten years is quite it's quite scary because i don't really know what to expect mm. i mean you remember interstellar we've watched yeah. that together a couple of times great movie um you remember how the planet was represented yeah. yeah i mean yeah i'd like to think that's not going to happen in in your lifetime um but i mean that's a possibility isn't it with climate change i mean we, we don't know exactly to what extent the climate's going to change we don't know how where um and uh, you know another thing that we don't really know and i think what's kind of taken the scientists by surprise a little bit is that we we tend to have this sort of two-dimensional focus. You know, we look at one thing and we say, okay, if the temperature stays below this amount, then this will stay the same. This won't change too much and that will stay the same and that's okay. But we don't see the, um, the accumulative changes that happen in the background in, you know, because our ecosystem is so um, fragile in many ways that we don't understand that sometimes just a 1% rise is enough or a one degree rise is enough. So, you know, the question is, there is a lot of unpredictability in this model. Um, do you feel a little bit angry to, like, my generation um, or even, you know, the, the political generation before that we, we basically, to use a phrase that you probably have heard a couple of times, that we've taken the piss a bit with the climate and that you guys are going to, you know, face the, you know, face all of the, you know, the brunt of that impact? I'm, I'm not angry. I mean, it's in um like just it's how humans are we we find a new way of doing things and we adapt that and keep on making it better and better in our eyes and we don't see the consequences as much i mean for the people before us who started all of the whole you know problems with climate change i mean they would they wouldn't have known it could have come to this so i'm not really angry but you'll you you'd obviously think what it would be like if it if this hadn't occurred and if we'd done things differently 
And what if, for example, I told you that some of the big oil companies knew in the 1960s even uh, of the potential tragic effects that what they were doing could have on the climate eventually? Would that not also make you feel a bit angry? You say, oh, okay, it, they weren't perhaps that innocent then. Because yeah, they, they did know in the 60s, I have to say. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that knowing that would anger me a bit more, seeing as people are being very selfish just so that they can get their money and so that they can be wealthy and live their own special life without thinking about the way it could affect others. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's it's an it's unfortunate uh, reality that we face. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I wish it was the case that people were yeah accidentally uh, that they stumbled across this accidentally that it just you know appeared on the horizon without them knowing. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it's not just the oil companies. It's the uh, you know, the politicians, governments. They've known about it for years. They they paid some. Uh, scientists, I think at certain points to say, no, there's nothing, it's okay. Um, and so therefore it was, uh, it was possible for them to just sort of skip over this and ignore it and uh, not really consider it, uh, you know, a sort of hard scientific fact that this is what would happen. Unfortunately, now we're here. Um, so as you say, we're going to have to deal with it. But you know, the, the lesson to be learned, I think, is that if they can do this uh, with regards to climate change, then there's a big possibility they're doing this with regards to other things. Um, so there is a real need for people to be involved in the, the, the political process to keep an eye on what governments do. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that you, when you talk about these things with your friends, that you, uh, you, know, you keep these things in mind. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously me and my me and my friends aren't the most mature of people, so we might exaggerate a little bit with the things that we say, but we we take we we've all we've considered things, we've obviously with all kinds of rumors going around, we talk about things, so we've always thought about different things that that could have caused this and I don't know, any possibilities. So, mm. yeah. Do you think some of the movies that you watch, uh, for example, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, um, do you think these movies kind of prepare your imagination for what might come? Uh, or do you just consider it a bit of entertainment at the moment? Uh, I guess it's a bit of both, really. I think, for example, 2012, film that we're both quite, you know, we know quite well. Mm. Um it's obviously, well, I'd say far-fetched, but it's also possible for those things to happen. I guess that is the most extreme mm. that it could be, but it is a possibility. And it's, it, I mean, it's not really something you can prepare for. It's just, it's quite frightening thinking that it's a possibility. Mm. And I don't really know, I just think, just thinking about it is quite, in in a way fascinating but very scary yeah i mean you're you're one of those because i mean you said that you and your friends are you're not too mature i actually think that's not necessarily the case you 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 strike me as being very mature um and you're the 
the kind of material that you watch, for example, uh, is a sign of your maturity. So, I mean, last week you watched uh, Schindler's List and you told me about the, the effect that Schindler's List had on you. Um, that's not the kind of movie that somebody who is not mature would watch. Um, you've also enjoyed the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I think at the time you said that's one of the best movies that you've ever seen. Uh, that, that to me is like a, is a very mature uh, evaluation of what I consider to be one of the best movies ever made. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. How, how do you, how do you see the impact of these kinds of movies on, on you? Um, do you think there's a kind of message that gets through? I mean, do you talk about these movies with your friends? Yeah. I mean, we obviously we talk about, because most, most of my friends, they, they're more into, you know, the, the movies that come out recently so we'd obviously talk about them, but there's one or two mates that, you know, we've watched films uh, from, like, in the past, and I think films that were made a while back, or obviously Shawshank Redemption was only 20-odd years old, um, I think they're a lot better, and they're a lot... They... I don't know how to explain, but they're just... They make you feel a lot more like you're into the film and it just it seems a lot more realistic and like it means something rather than just flat out violence or just uh, just science fiction things that aren't realistic so I think that's I think they're brilliant films to watch like the ones that you suggested mm. so as in your looking at the storytelling angle basically that you know when these older films focus more on the story as opposed to the special effects that kind of thing yeah it's more it's focused on the characters and everyone everyone plays a, a special role and instead of focusing on yeah special effects and how it looks it just the story and the characters just play out so well to the point where you don't need special effects at all it's just a brilliant film mm. Do you think your ability to appreciate these older movies is perhaps connected to the fact that your gran made you watch uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's and stuff like that? Um, yeah, I think I think the main reason why I'm so connected to them is obviously because of you and gran. Hmm. I think I think I was very lucky in that part where you and gran were both very like had a very good taste in movies and watched them with me from a young age. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you you haven't experienced the uh, watching My Fair Lady every Sunday, um, but uh, I, t I tell you that was an education growing up. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right uh, in many ways. I mean, but, but I mean, if you were going to sort of sit down and talk with your mates, um, maybe on one occasion in the future, you, you can get a couple of your mates together and we can talk about some of these, uh, you know, some of the things that they look forward to. But um, if you were to pick one movie that you know of that's coming out in the next six months to, to year to a year or whatever, um, what are you looking forward to most? That's a tough question, seeing as there's so many films coming out. There's obviously the next phase of Marvel so there's a lot of films there coming out but um, I think the one that 
excites me the most, I guess, is um, probably Avatar 2. Because mm-hmm. it's been, what, 10 years since the first one came out. And in my opinion, that that was one of them films where, yes, they have the good, the good, like, it's just, it looks good and all the effects are very good. But then the story as well and the characters are also brilliant. And I want to see if this next movie is going to live up to the previous one or if it's going to flop. So I think that's going to be quite interesting. Hmm. I mean, I think the first Avatar took everybody by surprise, really, because nobody knew what to expect. And then all of a sudden there was this like epic movie. Uh, You know, wow, look at that. That's fantastic. Um, and now, however, as you said, uh, people have been waiting for 10 years. There's an expectation element, isn't there? So maybe maybe people have to kind of temper their expectations. Otherwise, they're probably not going to enjoy it as much, um, which is always a, a possibility, isn't it, when you've waited so long? Yeah, I mean, obviously, loads of films have had their, their second come out and not be as good. Um, I can't really name any off the top of my head, but there's definitely quite a few. And um, I think, especially when the first one is so big, the second one really has to live up to the the name and everything. But I feel like that also causes the producers and directors to try to go a bit over the top, which can cause the film to be quite bad. Um, Matrix is probably a good example, don't you think? That's a very good example. I mean, I, I started watching the second one and I gave up. I, I didn't think it was good at all. Mm. That's the first one. And um, there's, a, there's another Matrix coming out, isn't there? Yeah. Matrix 4. Mm. With Neo? I think so, yeah. A- and Trinity? Oh, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm going to have to look up on that one, but I think so. Okay. Interesting. Mm. But... I think another, well not another few films that have gone down over the past years. I say Fast and Furious. Um, the first one being my favorite. Mm. I think it was it was great because it focused on the story, it focused on the characters, how it's about cars, and then I think it went, it got to what. Fast Five, and then they did something crazy, and then every single film they had to do something to top the last one. I think it gets a bit ridiculous. But you think... I... yeah, go on. Oh. Sorry. Uh, um, I I think I I'd obviously I've been to the cinema to watch the latest one. I've been to cinema to watch the last few, and I I still will go because I just I love the films. But I think it's definitely gone downhill quite a bit. Do you think it's lost a bit because of Paul Walker's death? Oh, 100%. In my, in my opinion, the first one was the best. The seventh one, which was the last one with Paul, was the second best. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people agree with me. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely gone down since, since he's died because he was a main, main character and he actually he brought a lot into the film. And I think his loss is, yeah, it's quite quite bad mm, well, it's tragic isn't it yeah yeah okay all right um yeah so do you remember any more of these movies uh, to uh you know, that roll off the top of the tongue or 
I mean, you'd say you'd say John Wick. I think. You would. You would oh. say John Wick. I'd say John Wick are just. I don't think they're going down. I think they're doing quite well. But you believe that they're getting too violent and focusing on that too much rather than the story. I, know, I meant that you were looking forward to John Wick because I know you oh. love it. You love because you said oh, John Wick Four is coming it. out, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah. Now, I, I'm a bit like uh, you with regards to Matrix, as in I watched John Wick 1 and John Wick 2, um, but I got 20 minutes into John Wick 3. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, I, I just thought this, the, the most unnecessary violence, um, it, it was because it's just a movie based on, you know, how many different ways can I actually cause people pain? um and just kill them in the most ridiculous manner whatsoever and look cool in the process you know okay yeah he looks cool but if you know if i want to watch a movie where somebody just looks cool the whole time i'll watch you know paul newman you know or steve mcqueen you know because those guys are cool or marlon brando yeah those guys are cool or, or you know, julia roberts for example in erin brockovich she was absolutely cool um i wouldn't watch necessarily john wick stabbing somebody chopping off his ear and then uh yeah cutting off the nose that kind of just crazy stuff it just didn't do it for, it didn't do it for me but you love it for some reason yeah because that's like that's the i mean the stories obviously as you know you know his wife dies and then they kill the dog and then he goes after the son the rest of the family blah blah but the the whole the story is just about his not his well his past in a way and how he's built up his reputation of being this stone-cold killer and everyone is afraid of him. And I guess the whole reason why it's so violent is because that is who his character is. And I, I don't know, I, I just, I like it because I, I like his character so much. But I don't know, I guess that is your opinion. So. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'll give it another go because now I'm a bit used to it. It was a bit like Game of Thrones, you know. So the first episode I watched, I couldn't handle it, and then like a couple of years later, I kind of knew what to look at, and then um, I watched it again. But I only got as far as series four because it was just too violent. Again, you know, I find I don't mind watching a certain amount of violence if it is. Um, in some ways completely relevant to the story like vikings i have no problem with the violence in vikings because that's how it was um but it seems to me game of thrones it's it was an exercise in identifying the most horrific way to kill someone and then every you know, the next scene was okay let's do it even worse you know i, I remember watching a scene where you know this guy like beat somebody's head to a pulp with a shield um, and then a few episodes later, it was like, um, oh, well, let's just squash his head with my hands and uh, rip out his eyeballs and stuff. And, and, I, and I look at it and I think, do you know, what? this, that's probably not entertainment anymore. That's like, no, nah, sorry. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm obviously, you know, that the weed of time is my that's my favorite story. And it's is being produced now by prime um and so in november they're going to release uh, the first 
um, you know, the first season, um, the eye of the world, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I really hope they don't go down the same path of um, absolute chaotic violence, um, because that would be a real shame. But... Well, I've obviously got, I'm, I'm still watching Amateurs now. Um, I'm, I'm not really affected by violence. I don't, I don't know why. I'm, it just doesn't affect me as long as it's, as long as there's some good characters in there and a good story. I don't really mind. Um, I've, I'm watching it and I'm enjoying it a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people, so it's hard to keep up. But it's, it's enjoyable. I mean, the only problem is once you like one character, they're dead pretty much next episode. Mm. Well, that's that's Game of Thrones, but uh, yeah. the Wheel of Time. Um, I'm not going to do any spoilers, yeah. Um, but you know, the Wheel of Time, which was written years before Game of Thrones, just in case anybody thinks it's the other way around. Um, at least the story, at least Robert Jordan started writing uh, the Wheel of Time years before um, the Game of Thrones was uh, was started. Um, there isn't that level of uh, character change but there are lots and lots and lots of characters so it'll be interesting to see how they um produce that so but i, I hope that you're going to be up for watching it because i'd like to talk to you about it yeah i don't mind watching yeah. it i mean it'd be better to experience it for yeah. the first time with you but yeah well maybe we can organize that we'll see um but you're not going to read the 14 books are you that are that might be a push <laughs> yeah well if you come here for like uh, you know six or seven months of your life after after college or whatever i've got all the books sitting here waiting for you you feel free yeah mate, i might i might take a look at one or two i don't know about 14 yeah i don't when, when i stopped smoking that was my secret weapon every time i needed a, a cigarette i read a few pages of the wheel of time um so uh, that's 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 a big influence and a big support in my process anyway okay all right now i, I yeah I, I tend not to have these podcasts go on too long but uh, yeah it would be remiss a quick mention of the fact that you're a ps fan i'm an xbox fan this is something that i think we're going to talk about in the, in the next time that we come together so uh you know i think we can focus on uh football for now because you're a liverpool fan and i'm a Manchester united fan we're not going to talk about the dynamic that that involves uh, when we come together for uh, to watch the game. But um, I think both of our teams have made a good start to the Premier League season, don't you think? I'm I'm over the moon with my start to my team start to the season. I'm not exactly happy to see five on United and Bruno putting away three goals. Yeah. But, okay, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to say, I think, and I'm. I'm trying to be objective here. I have a feeling, and I know that Manchester United played at home, so and also the way Leeds play, it's sort of set up for a bigger team to be able to take advantage of the open space that they leave behind. Crystal Palace played at home, um, and they tried to play quite defensively against Liverpool. So obviously there is a big difference with regards to the tactics. I just had a feeling that Liverpool's midfield is a bit weak. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, I, to be honest, I agree to a certain extent. I think, I think if Klopp was to play 
Fabinho, um, Thiago, and maybe Ox, or if you want to go more defensive, Henderson, I think he'll be okay. But I believe, obviously, as Henderson's getting old, Milner's getting old, and some players don't really play that well during games. I think it would have been nice to see a new signing come in. He was looking at, um, I think, Renato Sanchez, mm. which would have been a good signing. But, I mean, it's been like this with Liverpool for years. They don't, we don't really go for any big, big signings during the summer, summer transfer window. So, I mean, it's not over. We'll see. But, yeah, I think that is our main area that we need to focus on. Mm. Okay. And, and you're, you think it's okay at the moment with um, Origi and um, Firmino as your main strikers? Um, obviously, it's Salah, Mane and Jota are the ones that have the main responsibility of scoring goals. But um, you don't think you need a, like a, a Harry Kane style player? I think this is where I'm quite different to a lot of other people. I think... Um, I think Jota plays well up front, as obviously we've seen he scored today. Um, I think he makes a, he livened up the uh, Mane and Salah last season until he got injured. And I think, I in my opinion, I think Bobby's a great player. He's not obviously he's not an, an all-out striker, but I think he he brings some sort of fun, not not just fun, but like he actually helps the whole team he's quite creative and I think he's a great player but I mean obviously it'll, it'll be nice to sign a Harry Kane or a Haaland or Mbappe but I, I highly doubt any of those are going to happen seeing as I don't think Klopp's going to spend over 100 million on one player mm. All right. and um, yeah th this is the this is the question this is what we've been building up to for about an hour Who's going to finish higher up the league, Liverpool or Man United? I'm not saying who's going to win the league. Who's going to be in a higher position, Liverpool or Manchester United? I think I think both teams are very similar in the sense that they lose easy points. But so you're I going think... to sit on the fence, are you? Huh? You're going to sit on the fence, are you? You're not no. going to tell me. No, I'm going to. I, I'm obviously rooting for Liverpool. I'm, I, I think, to be honest, I think that this season we could win. I think we're definite. I think us, United, Chelsea and City are top four contenders without a doubt. I think that is going to be a very close title race. I think we've, we've had our injuries and even with all those injuries, we came third, obviously. It was a bit lucky at the end of the season. But... I think with all our players back, having obviously now Canate as a backup, having um, Jota here now, who's fit, having Thiago and um, Menemino's back this season. He's looked good in pre-season. I think we have a good chance at winning, but I'm not going to jinx it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well said, mate. Well said. All right. Um, yeah. Alex, thank you. Uh, it's nice talking to you uh, always, <laughs> obviously, being your dad. Um, I always enjoy it. So, um, but this is also cool to have this kind of a structured conversation with you. Um, and uh, I have a feeling it won't be the last one we have. But um, yeah.
thank you for your time. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Good lad. All right. <laughs> All right. This is where you say bye, but don't switch off. Yeah. Just, uh, I'm just going to turn off the recording. But uh, yeah. Two, Take bye. care. And Ciao, baby. Bye. Two. And a mic.